This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 668 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Trust Design. On this week's episode, we have Emily Donaldson, who gives us an update on her Florida season. After that, Megan McIsaac talks about how to be good at horse shopping. And then Gwen comes back to give us a great trainer tip. This is Reese Koffler Sandfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Phil. How was the Derby received in Kentucky? Well, we had a, we had a great time. Uh, we okay. went to you know because Phil's been here lots for the Derby, and uh, you know it's it, it's one of those things. It is sort of a holiday for us here, like. not much gets done on that day. Like we pretty much everybody takes a day off. Everybody goes to a derby party. So it is kind of like a holiday. It's funny. Like some stores are closed. Like it's, it's really funny. So we went to a local brewery. Uh, It's called country boy brewery and it's super fun. Um, It was actually a really cold and rainy day here. It was actually quite cold. It was in the forties. I think I felt like it was in the forties. Maybe it wasn't, but it was cold. Um, So, you know, there's always big excitement and everyone's really trying to place their bets. I'm I'm not a betting woman. I I always say I I literally lose too much money on horses every day. So (laughs) I try not to. You don't uh, need to lose any extra. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, you know, um, so life is a bet on a horse. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I literally bet on horses all day, every day. So <laughs> it's not fun for me, but, um, yeah, I don't think anybody saw that one coming, but it was, how, a was, really- that, yeah, how was that long shot received in, uh, you what? know, in, in the, <laughs> I mean, the, the whole place, like everyone was like stunned. It was so cool. Um, but I think it was so great for all of us. Number one, just the story behind the horse. I, you know, I'm no expert in, in the horse at all. I, I kind of, you know, saw, saw the trainer on the today show and, um, but a $30,000 claiming horse, I think, you know, again, it shows that the underdog still can win. And, um, I think that was really quite cool. So, uh, what do you think, Phil? Everybody everybody loves an underdog story, except for the people who who have the horses against it kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And are spending so much money, you know, but I think in, in horse sport, I think we all know sometimes, it's, it's the day it's the stars align and I couldn't be happier for, for that team. I mean, it sounds like they had had a terrible barn fire and lost other horses. And I mean, I think we can all feel for them and, and to have them come and have such an amazing day on, on that kind of stage is, is awesome. Yeah. Beautiful. I mean, that's what, that's what sports is all about, right? Because of the, you know, the people who are supposed to win and the horse is supposed to win or the team is supposed to win and does, it's kind of boring. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice every once in a while to have to have a a long shot or you know a great story behind it. That's the, I I that's why I'm in, into all sports. You know, just me to, too. Uh, I think you and I. That's one of the things we we share and enjoy. We both love sports, so it's super fun to see you know to see him win and do well, and you know to watch that jockey ride. I mean, we're all riders, and to see that jockey ride was so cool. Like. Oh, it was just, it was great. So really enjoyed. Awesome. 
Yeah. It was awesome. so that was a really, really fantastic story. I think today, and I could be wrong, I was actually just trying to look it up. I think they are not running him in the dirt in that's um, what I that's what I saw on the headlines. Mm-hmm. He's not gonna do the uh what's the next one? Belmont? Well, Brightness? What's oh. next? See again. <laughs> but again, I think that that's cool. You know, we're both like, uh, somebody, yeah, somebody will tell us, like, uh, excuse me, like, you should know this. But um, I think that's cool because I read a quick story before we started recording that, you know, they weren't planning on it. They were, you know, and, and good for them for not changing their plan because we've all had horses. We've all had to make plans and, you know, they, they won. But I think they're just saying for the health of the horse, they wanted to to wait, which I think is pretty cool. Which is awesome. Yeah. So great. Yeah. Stuff, great stuff. So we yeah, love that. Perfect. We love that story. We're all we're all a fan. Yeah, I just wish I had had like a hundred bucks on it or something. No kidding, know? right? <laughs> oh, me too. I think everybody, you know, was like, gosh, we really, really wish we had we had put that down. But of course, we didn't. So <laughs> which is really cool. Also, um, Jennifer Williams, Jennifer Schrader Williams, she announced this week that she's retiring Million. Uh, which I, I, that was, they were such a great combination and she's just a great supporter and she's so much fun. Um, so, you know, respect, she got named to the shortlist to go to Europe. And, um, I had spoken to her in Florida. Uh, she was very kind and spoke to the dressage foundation group that I had. And, and she had said that she felt like he, he didn't owe her anything. So that was really cool, but it looks like the shortlist for the American team for Europe has been announced and Katie Durheimer and Paxton are on that list and Cartet, her other horse, um, that I know is, is on that list, which is fun. Ben Ebling, Ashley Holzer, Charlotte Yorst, Adrian Lyle, Stefan Peters, Alice Tarjan and Sarah Tubman. So it'll be fun to see these combinations. There's some, I think, I think they've yeah. all been on our show. I think, I think they have too. Phil, high five. <laughs> that's pretty fun. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, I don't know we'll about Ashley back, Holzer. Right? We'll have him back, but uh, yeah, yeah. that's kind of cool. You know? Yeah, I don't know about Ashley Holzer, but I think for sure everyone oh, else. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, All right, that's our goal then. To get that's our goal, everybody. We'll get Ashley. Get She's Ashley on lovely. the show when she comes back from Europe. Yeah, perfect. So that te- that that squad was named, um, which will be really fun. I mean, again, you've got some younger people on that. You've got some um, very experienced. Obviously, Adrian Lyle and Stephen Peters have been team members now for many years. So it, it's fun to see them and, and the young people. Ashley's been Tubman. on our team for was on our team for a long time yeah. too. Don't forget mm-hmm. that she's an experienced team rider. She is country. Different country and Sarah Tubman, uh, you know, it was a gold medalist from the Pan American Games on First Apple. So it's just fun to see this group and and Ben Ebling and is is awesome and and we're just thrilled. So it'll be a fun group to watch while they're over there and we will definitely snag them on their way back. But uh, we have a great show today, Phil. We'll get started. Um, we've got a break from Kentucky Performance Products and then we'll get into the show. She swallowed hard as they walked into the start box. She could feel his muscles tense under her leg. Five, four, three, two, one. Have a great ride. She didn't have to ask. He galloped out of the box and across the field toward their first training level course. His ears pricked. Her heart pounded. He attacked each obstacle with confidence, clearing them with room to spare. A huge smile broke out on her face as she crossed through the finish flags. She leaned forward and buried her face in his neck. Their bond of love and trust blocked out all else. 
This love story is brought to you by Elevate. Research proven to have superior bioavailability, Elevate supplies the essential vitamin E often missing from the equine diet. Its all-natural formula supports healthy muscle and nerve functions. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. Well, tonight we are so excited to have Emily Donaldson on the line. She's been on the show before. She's a favorite of ours, FEI rider and trainer. Emily, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, you had a fantastic winter. We would like pass each other and wave, but we were both, I think, so busy. (laughs) We never really got to see each other. So I want to catch up. Like, how was your season this year? It was good. It's um, it's funny because I I've gone down. This was my fourth consecutive year going down, and uh, I always get a little anxious before anticipating the drive. And then, and I was thinking about it, it seems like just yesterday I was, you know, fretting about the drive and now boom, you know, it's April and I'm back here. And, uh, so it's, it's always very intense, but, uh, educational and I, you know, it's expensive and challenging, but every time I come home and, um, and I feel really good about why I went and, and it's sort of like, for me, it's, it's, it's an opportunity to focus on. Um, on my own riding and, you know, the handful of clients that go with me and horses. And it, it ends up being very constructive. Well, I was just going to say, I, I, I'm glad you brought that point up because, you know, everyone's like, I, I always hear like, oh, you're so lucky to be there. And oh my gosh. But you're absolutely right. Like, I think that's a really good point for anybody that's going to go to Florida or thinking about Florida. The, the idea of literally moving your life for three to four months, yeah. depending on how long you're there driving. I mean, yeah. it is, I, I'm always so anxious because you're literally moving. You know, I, I usually yeah. take my it's assistant with deal. me, my dog, you know, seven, eight horses Yeah, have to move horses in Kentucky to where they need to be. I got to make sure my cats are, I mean, it, it is a, it is actually a pretty huge event to commit to going there. Not only. Yeah financially too. I mean, you know, just, it's a very stressful. Emotionally, like it's yeah. hard on your, like if you're married or dating or, you know, it's like, you know, I've had some clients that are like, Oh, you're so lucky. And I am, I am very fortunate, but it, it's a compromise. Like, and yeah. you, you know, you always have some clients that you lose, but then there's a, there's like a gain, you know, a gain and a loss. And, and I've had clients question why I do it. And, Right now, I'm like, right now I do it because it, it sort of, it makes me better. And, and I want to, I don't want to feel like I plateau and I might get to a point where I'm like, okay, it doesn't make sense. But, but at the same time, it's like, it is kind of a big deal. Like it's, it's hard, you know, financially, it's hard emotionally, it's like hard relationally. And, but they're always the pros outweigh the cons. And it's like, it's also like, I think it's also like dangerous, like, driving down there is always like stressful and I've had blowouts and, you know, like, it's just, it's like, it's just not, it's not something that you do casually, you know, it takes right every year you, you come back and you start planning for the next year. And, um, it's a big deal. And unfortunately, cause it is, it's far and it's like, and it's expensive. Um, but I'm sure it's so worth it. Agreed. And I think too, um, you know, anybody that goes, like basically you get home and you start saving for the next year. Like I yeah, constantly am saving to. for Florida. 
<laughs> you yeah. know, like yeah. it's a constant. Yeah. Like you have to have yeah. enough money because yeah. a lot of times you have to pay up front in the summer for your spots yeah. that you'll need in the winter. So if anybody's, yeah. you know, and, and send us questions and Emily and I will happily answer them for you uh, or anybody else, you know, if you're going to go, sure. it is, it is a commitment. So, uh, but I, I thought yeah. we should talk about that because I think that's kind of important information for everybody for sure. So, uh, so yeah. back Emily, back into your season, I, I you know you had a great season. So you're getting into kind of what you, what you were working on and achieving the season. Yeah. So it was a year different from the past two years. I was at a different facility and oh, training with somebody different. I was independent, but also at the same time, focusing on training with somebody different, also focusing on different horses. And so the training, you know, I've, I've been training with Linda Zhang and focusing on a horse that I have that uh, Linda works very well with. And then I have a nice four-year-old that um, I acquired through a syndicate um, in the fall. So it's kind of a transitional year for me. Um, not competing in CDIs because uh, my horse Audi is actually now going to be doing or pursuing juniors with my um, stepdaughter is riding him. And cool. so that was hard for me to <laughs> to yeah. take a step back <laughs> from him. And sure. um, it's good. It's really good. But it was like really hard. And uh, I was <laughs> like standing there watching her compete him and I was crying. And, yeah. I, and I'm like, I, it should be easier, but I'm like, I'm like really sad, but I'm happy. And, you know, yeah. so it's really nice to see him doing that, but it's sort of a step for me, like to growing up a little bit. Cause I've had him, he's 17. I've had him since he was two and oh. uh, he's been kind of like my main man, but it's a healthy transition for me. And then um, my horse bunny is what I've been trying to get sort of my goal is to get him to Grand Prix and, I sort of don't know how long that's going to take, but I'm very committed to just doing it the right way. And so Linda's been very helpful with that. So I did three lessons a week with Linda basically for three months, which was really, really, really good for me because when I'm up North, I see her kind of like two times a month, maybe, maybe three. And so having that intensive time was unreal for me with this horse in particular, but Linda's helped me so much in my position. Um, and just being a more correct, effective rider. So that was really, really fun. And then I got to work with Christine Traug a few times with the four-year-old, which was great to see her again. And she knows me well enough. So it was every time I saw her, um, it was very helpful. And then I had more horses than I've ever had, um, more clients there than I've ever had. And so the days were quite full, but was very constructive with the clients and setting goals for them and meeting those goals. So um, it was just a very good winner. It was, it was nice to actually not compete as much just because I love, I, like I love CDIs, but at the same time, they're really stressful and time consuming and expensive. And expensive. Um, I was just going to so, say, don't forget yeah. expensive. <laughs> yeah, very expensive. Yeah. And so it's kind of, there's actually, I was like, it's okay not to be doing that. Like I would, I follow the results, you know, every week I'm like doing what, and I pay attention to that. And, and so it was kind of, it was good for me to not just to take a step back and, and do things a little differently. I felt like it was healthy. So it was, it was very good. And at the same time, I'm really happy to be home. As they say, there's no place like home. Um, (laughs) and, uh, uh, so yeah, I, um, I had a very productive productive, constructive winter. Uh, and we were just going to talk about how it all kind of 
culminated in being chosen or I, I don't know how those applications work, but you know, you were able to ride with uh, Jessica von Bredel Berndel. Yeah. So uh, they had posted about the clinic and uh, uh, the last time they did a master class was when Isabel was here, I think two years ago. Um, and that clinic, that master class, they had opened applications. And so it was pretty clear that they were soliciting people to submit, you know, videos. But with this clinic, with Jessica, they didn't do that. And so I just on a whim, I was like, hmm, I wonder, I wonder who they're picking for this. And so I found just like a, there was like a contact form on the global website and I sent in, you know, my name and I said, hi, I'm just interested to know if you're accepting applications for the masterclass with Jessica and um, I got an email back from Thomas Bauer. Um, he said, hi, Emily, you know, what horses, what horse do you have? And I said, well, I have two, a four-year-old that has a really good canter. And then I have a um, 12-year-old that has really good payoff and passage coming. And um, so he said, send me the video of the the um, 13-year-old, the 12-coming 13-year-old. And so I did. And then he, he said, hey, can I call you? Sure. So he called me and, and I said that the horse was, you know, had the changes were sort of the tricky area. And um, he asked me some questions about it. And then he said, well, well, you're in. And I was like, I didn't think I was like, huh? And um, he goes, hello. And I said, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I was like, well, that was easy. Um, so, uh, so I said, oh, that's great. Thank you. And um, so then um, they started a WhatsApp, you know, chat with all the riders reflected including jessica was on that which was kind of fun so there's just like back and forth about you know what we're going to wear and the schedule and everything and so initially it was supposed to be that um the international ring would be open for us to come over and ride in on tuesday night um the clinic was thursday night and so but no sessions with jessica prior to thursday and then they contacted us um, Monday saying Jessica wants to ride with work with everyone and um, you know that they would do that Wednesday so I was the first one and she came on site she came to everyone individually um, at their facility and um, so I being like the as she said I'm I'm very serious she said uh, so you know being the person I am I like braided my horse and I like looked really nice and um she was supposed first to impressions right first impressions yeah, exactly and i'm like you look great. when in doubt look good and yes exactly it it's, it's um, better to be but, overdressed uh, than underdressed correct exactly totally so, so <laughs> i rule. was like ready to go and i like i always walk for 15 minutes before i ride and so i was like okay she's coming at eight i will get on at 7 45 and i'm good to go and then i see it she texted me she's like hey emily um, I'm running early. Is that okay? And I was like, sure, <laughs> not really, <laughs> but so I was like, yeah. So I looked and there she is. And I was like, hi. <laughs> and, uh, she came with her dad and, um, Karen, uh, Thomas's wife brought her. And so it was the three of them. And she was like super nice and like down to earth. And I said, I was like, just about to get on. And, and I said, is it okay if I, you know, walk him for 15 minutes? <laughs> And so I thought at the same time, I'm like, I have like a routine and it works and I, I don't want to be like a jerk, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't want to be rude and be like, you know, I don't want to keep you waiting, but she was totally fine. And she had allowed a lot of time. And so we just talked and we just, she asked me questions and 
we were talking about Florida and the barn and, you know, where I'm from. And just like, she just totally put me at ease. And, and it's hard, like with somebody like that, it's like, I've met, I've actually, I've met like a lot of presidents in my life, which not many people can say, but I've met like a lot of like pretty important what? people. Okay. That's cool. So, you got to yeah, tell us which yeah. presidents. So, yeah. Who'd you yeah, meet? So I've met like Obama three times, maybe four times. I've met Bill Clinton. Um, I've met George Bush. Oh, I've met Dick Cheney. I've met Joe Biden. I've met Michelle Obama. I've met plenty of like congressmen and senators and everything. So, so anyway, so like, and I've met like plenty of professional athletes. I'm not name dropping, but at the same time, I've been around people, right? That's that cool. Are, like, a big deal. And I can, I can be like a total nerd about people like that. Like I have the biggest crush on Sidney Crosby, finally met him, totally blew my opportunity to get married to him because I was a <laughs> but, um, We've been talking so, about this for so years. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, let it go. So anyway, so here's Jessica and I like, she made me feel totally fine. And, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't want to be too casual. Right. And, um, but she was great. So like easy to talk to and, it was like a fabulous lesson, really fabulous. And so then we came up with a plan for Thursday and she, she did a really good job of sort of working through, you know, how to show some good stuff that, the, you know, strengths. And then at the same time, how to tactfully get into things that are maybe a little bit more delicate. Yeah. She was lovely. I was like, can I get a picture? And, you know, I thought I'm not going to be shy. And uh, she does tons with her, like she manages her own social media, which I think she does very well. And, uh, so then the clinic, um, Thursday, I was the third rider to go. And, um, and I had taken Bunny over there on Tuesday night to see the venue and he couldn't care less, which I was shocked about. And, uh, so I felt really good about it. It was one of those things where this is the type of horse, like this horse, to be honest, a year ago, like he was jumping out of the ring at Legacy Farm. Like, you know, Lars was like... (laughs) sort of at a loss about what to do with him. He really was. And um, I mean, Lars even said to me, you know, you couldn't give him away. And, you know, it was things were like that bad. Linda worked very well with him and it was just finding the right person for this horse and the right approach. And so it was really amazing for me to, to have this horse that I had really hit rock bottom with, um, completely hit rock bottom. And to be able to put him into a venue like that in front of all these people with a person like Jessica and have it go so positively. And it's a testament to Linda and the training she's done with me um, because I was totally at a loss with this horse. And I always knew he had ability and talent because he could pee off like a freak. But at the same time, you know, we were losing our marbles with flying changes. And so we really did have to take, take it all the way back to like, to, to scratch and start all over. Um, and so I made it clear to Jessica that we're at just like a stage of training right now where we are, we are still in a rebuilding process with him, but it's good enough to do like single changes, you know, and, and the secret changes, we can do secret changes, but it's like, it's not the prettiest thing. And it's something I certainly wouldn't want to do in public just because it's inevitable. People will be critical. I mean, it's just people are human. And, and I kind of felt insecure enough that I didn't want to be judged and so Jessica was very respectful that way. And, and so she gave me a good exercise where we used um, medium canter down the long side, put the horse in a haunches and create a, a working canter pirouette. And so we used that. And then, um, and then we started to incorporate a single change, which then you would, 
you know, immediately went into the change instead of Dodolfo working canter pirouette. And so that exercise was really good because uh, with my horse, he can get very strong and he can talk me into holding him in the hand and then he just gets shorter in the neck. And so she really emphasized using my core and getting him more on my feet, which, you know, I know, I know, I know, I know, but it's very hard with this horse to do that. And so, um, but it was a fabulous exercise and she just kept emphasizing to me, getting him longer in the neck, allowing him the hand and just getting him to more on the feet. And so um, we did some other exercises um, in the warm up. We did leg yield into a shoulder four in the trot work. And then um, she talked a lot about, which was something Lars has talked about with me in the past, um, was just getting a little bit more looseness with the whip on his back. And that's something Linda and I have done, but more in a playful way and um, just of getting him to let go. And it's pretty funny because Jessica said she zeroed in on the fact that I'm very serious and I am, but I'm like, wait, you're a German telling me I'm serious. And I was like, hot <laughs> calling the kettle black. Like, you know, like, hello. Like that's such a, such a, I know it's a stereotype, but I, it made me laugh where I'm like, wait, like you're, you're a German gold medalist. Like you guys are known to be like serious and hardcore and you think I'm serious. And, um, <laughs> so it was pretty funny. That, that means, um, that means to you're too serious, that. right, Emily? Yeah, correct. Whoa. So I was like, you're you're like a 10 on the scale Um, of of seriousness. Exactly. Exactly. She's like an 11. Jessica's a 10. Yeah. 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 So I thought it was pretty funny and uh, it made people laugh. But she did say, like, and I'm I'm much better. Like, when I ride on my own, I talk a lot. But, you know, it's always like in a lesson, I get a little shy um, with somebody I don't know. But she was good about poking me a little bit to like like loosen up a little bit, <laughs> and um, and so then uh, she did say like your horse is shadowing you. He is very serious too. And I was like, wait, if only you saw him. <laughs> like this is a horse that was like you know very expressive, and so now he's channeling himself in in a way that he's more composed. And so it was really cool to have somebody that doesn't know us give us their take on on us, you know, and. Um, you know, it made me laugh just because we've come pretty far. Um, because if, you know, if you ask somebody that question, if you, if somebody, if you, if, if somebody that knew us two years ago, three years ago, to been like, yeah, do you mind? Um, he's psychotic. And, uh, so it was great. And, uh, that's, it was fun. Yeah, that's, that's, um, yeah, that's nice. It's, I mean, yeah. it, it's a, it's a testament to, you know, how far you've come and just always reminding us to, to, uh, look at our riding and our horses with a fresh set of eyes and, and all of those things. And then the the other thing that you were talking about is just, you know, what it takes for, you know, to make a complete Grand Prix horse, you know, because a lot of them are really specialists at certain things and then yeah. are very frustrating and very difficult to ride. Another, I mean, you can ride all the way up through, uh, you know, I think I won. And and as soon as you need to do the PF passage and the ones, it can all kind of fall apart. Or or you can have yeah. one part of it really good, and then uh, other parts of it, you know, like your your trot tour can be awesome, and then your canter tour is is no good. And then so you work 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 on your canter tour, and then the trot, you know, like a Grand Prix horse, yeah, really has to have no faults, no right, you know, right. no trouble in the training, and you know, and you don't know that until you kind of. I mean, you spend nine, 10, 11 years, if you're lucky, 
and then you and then all of a sudden like you're like oh these these are i mean it's it's just so challenging for riders and and horses and you know riders can be a little bit of specialists in themselves and then and then you know if the horses are good at that but not at other things then then a rider has to go back and really start from the basics and and learn how to do you know whatever it is the ones or, or twos or i mean it's just it's so it's so hard it's hard yeah i think people <laughs> i it's like every i feel like every year i just think gosh um you know you realize what you didn't know and you also realize one the more you learn the better you get and you start to figure things out but at the same time just like I look at people like Isabel, right? That just develop horse after horse. And in many ways, I think once you've developed, once you've developed horse to Grand Prix, it's just, it's easier. But at the same time, you have to get lucky. You have to have the right horses, you know? And there's so much that goes into it. But I think you gain confidence with, with every step, every piece of that Grand Prix horse that you can sort of figure out, it, you know, it makes you better. And it makes you better at training every other horse you sit on. And like that for me is the cool thing. I mean, that's, I've like, I've never been one of these people that like has like tons of really crazy fancy horses at my disposal. And I feel like I've made do with everything I've had. Bunny was given to me. He was given to me as a number of three-year-old. And then I just really enjoyed the process of developing him. And he's, he's actually quite a nice horse, but he's not like a superstar you know, but I find the challenge to be worth sort of pursuing and sticking with. Um, and, uh, and it was, it was nice to have, you know, somebody like Jessica acknowledge, you know, some good qualities. And she even said that his Piaf was too, too like, it was basically, she said, it's like too technically correct. And I was like, who said that? You know, <laughs> like, like <laughs> what? But, but she, she was basically like, make it more playful. And so I, I got what she was saying it's, it's like, it's too textbook. And, and I was like, cool, you know, like, and, and that's sort of like my approach to him has been relaxation and calmness. And so I'm like, okay, he just needs to be good in this work and then we can make it fancy. But, you know, so it was, it was funny to have her say that. Um, and it was, it was nice. Like, I was like, okay, like I've done a good job with that. Um, yeah. now I can it's almost a compliment, right? To make it. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's so, a huge compliment. Um, and then you're like, okay, I can, I can, I can work with this. I can fix this and play right, with this a little bit more. Right. Right. Yeah. So um, it makes total sense. So. I love it. Well, Emily, it was so fun to see you ride and, and it was so fun to see him and it was fun to see. Cause you know, that is, it, it is gutsy. Like you said, like to do that, you have literally all of Wellington watching you. And, uh, so it's not an easy thing to go take a horse and, and hearing in, in the, it, she did, she presented it a lesson that was great. And you guys, you know, it, 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 which was nice. And she did that with everybody too. And I like that. She didn't really try to get into anybody, which is nice. Cause nobody right. really wants that. Yeah. So that was really and nice. I think and she was, handled the clinic really well. And that, um, you know, I was in my mind, I was really like, Oh, it was short. Like I wish we did more, but I think she was very appropriate because she, you know, she, she wasn't going to get into, into stuff. And I read, I read the, you know, the, um, articles about Isabel's masterclass and that, that was definitely a different tone. I didn't, I didn't get to go to it, but I was, I've read those reports. It was definitely different. Yeah. Totally. It was different. Jessica. And I think Jessica, she's younger. I think she has a totally different approach to like her training. And I think she did a very good job 
of getting her approach across to the Americans um, that were there and um, to the American audience. And, uh, and I think her sort of takeaway messages were very clear. And I think people, it was all positive. It's nothing that nobody could go home and, and apply, you know, to their own yeah. writing um, and get confused about, you know, so. Yeah. It was great. Well, you did a fantastic job. And if people want to hear more about you and your horses and in the clinic, how can they find you online? So I'm on uh, typical social media, Facebook, Instagram, under my name, um, Emily Donaldson Dressage. And uh, I have a website, which I'm terrible at maintaining. Um, And uh, (laughs) so Instagram and Facebook are the easiest bets for getting in touch. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Emily. We can't wait to keep in touch. Thank you. The Horsemanship Radio podcast is dedicated to the advancement of great horsemanship throughout the world. Monty Roberts often stops by to present on this podcast, hosted by his daughter and legacy strategist, Debbie Roberts-Lauks. The show includes segments, tips, and interviews exploring effective training centered on the well-being of the horse. This multiple award-winning podcast has 1.6 million downloads to date. Horsemanshipradio.com, sponsored by Hands-On Gloves and Monty Roberts University. Well, tonight, we are so excited to have truly one of our friends and one of our favorite guests back on the show, Megan McIsaac. She's from Wisconsin. She's a USDF fourth level certified instructor, FEI rider and trainer, and we adore her. Megan, welcome back to the show. Woohoo! Thank you so much for having me on. I love to be talking about horses with you guys. Woo-hoo. I know, I love it. Literally, we would we would talk about this topic, all of us, with a glass of wine, maybe a bottle. And so it's so fun to have you on because we this has come up a few times sort of between us and, and situations. And we feel it's really important to talk about some etiquette we're going to talk about etiquette when you want to go buy a horse and etiquette when you're selling a horse. Uh, because I mm-hmm. think it's a really important topic. The three of us are, um, we've all had to do both. And, you know, I think sometimes the etiquette is overlooked. So let's start talking about, um, let's talk about buying horses. If you want to buy a horse, let's start with the etiquette of that. So I'm going to let you get started. Sure. Uh, I first recommend talking to your trainer. I myself talk with my mentors when I'm going out looking at horses because a, I will buy everything (laughs) and I'm a trainer, (laughs) you know, I, I am just like anyone, a, a newbie. I mean, because I love horses and I want to have them all, you know, um, Maybe they're pretty, maybe they have a nice trot, but then let's say they're not really through on the outside ring. They're not really supple or who knows why. And actually, I recently had um, a horse I was looking at to buy for resale and I had my coach look at the video and she was like, no, and I would have bought the horse and I'm glad I listened to her in the end. So step number one, I think talk to a trainer that you work with that knows your riding abilities. If you don't have a trainer, talk to a friend. However, usually they are enablers. <laughs> well, and management <laughs> style. All the, and be- Megan, all can the I- best friends are enablers. All the best yeah. friends. Well, Phil's not an enabler. I use no. him all the time. He's not an enabler. So, he's, he's like your coach. Like he's tough. 
But I also yeah. wanted to add in their management style. That's really important because if you have your horses on 24 hours a day turnout and you're looking at a horse from Europe that hasn't been in a field in 10 years, that could be an issue. We're not talking, this is not a discussion on management. This is just the reality. That horse has been in a stall in Europe. You're going to ship it to America and put it on 24 hours a day turnout. You know, that, that animal is not used to that. So I think you have to be really honest with your management. Do you have a trainer all the time? Do you haul in for lessons? AKA is putting mm-hmm. a horse in a trailer, a really important mm-hmm. thing. Cause uh, a mm-hmm. lot of my students haul by themselves, which, you know, I don't love, but a lot of them don't have the ability to have someone with them all the time. So you yeah. know, that needs to play into this factor. Like, can the horse load? Can the horse be safe? You know, maybe that isn't the fanciest horse, but it's something that you're going to be um, successful with. So I think someone that your friend, ideally a, a trained coach who's done this before, who can really help point you in that direction of, hey, that horse, you're looking at a video or maybe that that it's truly not your horse. And I think you mm-hmm. also said something super important. You can see we're very passionate about this topic, everybody. So you're going to hear some <laughs> things of ours. But truly being honest about mm-hmm. your riding ability. And that would be the same oh. for the three of us on this conversation. When we buy horses, truly, what is your riding ability? And what are you able to deal with? truly able to deal with. Um, and that may be some soul searching, you know, um, I have a specific client who's older and what Mm -hmm. we would have looked at 20 years ago and what we did look at 20 years ago, she's been a long time client is very different than what we're looking at for now. Cause she's 20 years older. And Mm -hmm. I think that is such an important thing that you just said. And, and really, yeah. Being realistic. The other thing regarding that as well is I have, um, riders that are pleasure riders, their goals are to have fun with their horses. And sometimes, uh, the horses that are most suitable with them actually have issues like on the x-rays. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a huge hot topic is don't you, we don't ride x-rays. And I think I don't, I can't speak for, but, um, Olympic horses, you know, they probably have issues on the x-rays, may have issues with flexion. So I think being very realistic on what the goal is and whether the horse is suitable for our needs. We do not, I mean, I think first and foremost, there are no horses that have a clean pre-purchase. And actually, I'm more suspicious when they do. (laughs) And I think that brings up a really important point. All right. So, so, you know, you've got your trainer, you're realistic about what you're looking for and, you know, a horse that's going to have some miles and probably going to be good about getting on and off the trailer and, and, and have some experience is, is going to be older. And so you Mm -hmm. need a veterinarian here. This is important. And in my vet, we actually tease her. I call her the dream killer. Um, because (laughs) they'll kill some dreams quick, but you know, but, but if she's saying, leave it alone, you know, then I leave it alone. And and, and she, she will say, we can manage that. Like as that horse ages and as we're going to have that horse over the, over his career, we can take care of that problem or do not go anywhere close to it. And my vet, she's very good at a lot of things, but she is incredibly good at pre-purchases because Mm -hmm. she, 
and, and, and knock on wood, she's not, you know, she has been correct with, with, with horses we purchased. That's a big knock on wood. Last year I was looking at a young horse and we took a lot of x-rays. That horse made it all the way to the last x-ray. And she said, whoa, mm-hmm. whoa, whoa, you know, no, What's no. That? And this is why mm-hmm. and, oh, it was heartbreaking, but she's like, yeah, that'll be way more heartbreaking. And, and after you put five years and that kind of money into it. So I think that's really important, but also a veterinarian that will be realistic, you know, not just fail yeah. it, the horses. They, they sort of, this is not a time you want a new veterinarian and, and maybe no. you want a second opinion or a third opinion, you know, get somebody who looks at European horses. If you're going to European horses or thoroughbreds are going to have very different x-rays than, you know, than sport, than, than warm bloods. Yeah. So and I'm from a place that has a lot of thoroughbreds. That's why I say that. So if we, we get a racehorse vet to look at those x-rays, they're going to have a lot of different things to say than somebody that looks at those x-rays all the time. So mm-hmm. um, I just think your team is is so important. Um, Phil, what do you think? Well, I mean, in my experience, um, <laughs> you know, one of my students comes to me and says, I'm, I'm thinking about looking for a horse. I think I need a new horse or, you know, whatever. And then, and then I say, well, you know, I talk about, you know, what it costs for me to consult on this project. Yes. Right. And then, and then I say, listen, you can look at you. You are in charge of scouring the internet, but send everything to me first. Mm-hmm. Then I can, I can, you know, yes or no or, or whatever. But I always find it's easier if I, you know, if I am the contact person to, mm-hmm. you know, see, see the video, say, Oh, that, you know, that's interesting. And, and then, if I don't know the person, which I, I mean, Reese and I know a lot of people. So, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. if, if I know the person, yeah, I can just message them. I, you know, so, so much is, is, uh, done just kind of through friends or through networking, um, to say yes or no on a horse. And, and, and somebody will be, you know, they'll just be like, no, I, you know, I tell them what I'm looking for and I know the person and I trust them. And they say, uh, no, I don't think this is for you. Or for your student or your client, boom, that's over. That's 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's and, no reason for you yeah. to look at the video or whatever and then call a person and set it up to go see it first. And then, you know, like I think there's a lot of time wasted in just, you know, in pay your coach, what you know, whatever they however they do that deal, you're gonna you're gonna save money in the end. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. you know, so and your coach can that? be involved in the in the talking about, you know, with the with the vet about the pre-purchase and say, you know. And then you're just involving more people. You're getting better advice and it's, it's going to be worth it. Yeah. Can we yeah. talk about oh. commissions for a second, Megan? Like, and we don't have to disclose oh, yeah. exactly what we do with our clients. So that's not where I'm going with this, but I think this is really important to, to, to understand before you get a huge bill or before, you know, trainers are paid commission. This is not free money. And, and there, mm-hmm. we, there's a lot. Well, that the advice is it. not free and the time the is not free. Is not free. Right. You know, so. we have, all three of us have put in our, I mean, our lifetime, this is our career and you are paying us for our advice. You're also paying us so that you don't get into trouble. Well, that doesn't mean mm-hmm. it's always going to happen that you buy something that, you know, but if you do pay a commission to a person, in my opinion, um, that, that trainer has to help you get out of a situation. If that situation arises, you know, like they got to help you, you know, like accountable for the decision that that you make. That's right. Um, Yeah. Oh yeah. At the end of the day, 
right? Listen to them. Yeah. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, it's really the client's decision. However, um, I think it's in their best interest, you know, first of all, to have a conversation, right? What are the goals? What is the budget for the horse? What is the budget when the horse is purchased? And those things, like I, I actually go to dinner with um, my clients and we talk about it. We talk about the price of the horse, the price of the tax, the price of the vet, the training fees, monthly training fees, as well as the commission and what that commission includes. And then you, I think you have really two types of clients, the one that is all hands-on and then the other that is, I want you to take the trainer to take more of an active role and find the horse. Um, I've had both. And I think some people really enjoy that process. I think other people do not. Um, I think it's easier, obviously, to have a trainer because there's the network. I think the other thing that happens a lot that's really important is talking about the commission and how many commissions are involved. Because when I sell horses, you'd be surprised how many other trainers out there ask me for a commission when they're bringing a client to me. And I think that's actually technically fraud. However, we're not going to go into that. That, But I think if the client knows that their trainer, they pay their trainer and the trainer is getting paid by the seller, I think that's legal. But um, I think yeah. it's important to ask the seller what's going on. <laughs> So write it down. I think that's important too. It's not just, you know, and and I do the same thing, Megan, we go to dinner and, but we write it down on on a piece of paper. Like where I I type it up and and we have a contract of this is, this is what it is. And, and then the other thing I think when you talk about budget, this is, this is a, a big topic to me. If you talk about budget, you have to be realistic with the current market value of what those horses are going to cost. Yes. You know, because what no, horses can, Yeah, cost, you can have a look around on your own a little bit too. Yeah. But again, you know, if you're your trainer, you got if you if you're going to involve a trainer, they want to have their advice heard. Sure. Sure, they're gonna, and you want you want your trainer to like the horse you purchase. That is actually important. Oh, yeah. be, it's a whole team effort, right? But the budget has to be realistic. And, and the reason I say that specifically is um, the price of horses today is significantly different than it was even two years ago. You oh, know, what, yeah. what was on the market two years ago is due to COVID and, and, the, and how horses were sold and purchased. That money is different. And, and I hate mm-hmm. it. And I, I think we all hate it. Uh, but my, I, I happen to be working on budgets today for price of betting. That's not what it was two years ago. You know, no. like you have to be realistic and you have to really think about that and know what's going on there. And, you know, what uh, the budget has to be realistic of what you want. So if you want a Grand Prix horse, you're going to probably pay for that or you're going to have to maintain a really old one. But, you know, yep. to go with, with a small budget it just doesn't happen like it's just nope that's what everybody wants you know so whatever you're looking for you have to be realistic with the budget and then do your own market research go and online and and look i mean the prices are pretty transparent and the other thing this is absolutely a pet peeve of mine is if somebody's asking a hundred thousand dollars for example 
you know, don't ask or that person if they'll take 35, <laughs> you know, or, or, you know what, and that's a drastic change, but they may mm-hmm. be negotiable, but that's not the kind of negotiable they're going to be more than likely. Yeah. It would, mm-hmm. would you say, yeah. you know, does that make sense? What I'm trying to describe? I, I, guys? I think like, you're just trying to say, don't look at horses out of your budget. That right. would sound perfect for you. And, you know, and start messaging people like, oh, will you take how, you know, that that's not the point. It's got to be close to your budget. And then the negotiations can happen after that. But, you know, if that's oh, unrealistic. That's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, I, I think every seller should be up front and say either the price is firm and the buyer should ask or uh, the price is slightly negotiable. And that means like maybe $5,000, you know, um, I've been offered two thirds price of a horse one time. And I I was like, I'm not even going to counter offer, you know, I, I think sometimes how people negotiate is also unrealistic, you know, Um, you know, be upfront, but, and if you're only looking for a horse to lease, don't be looking at horses that are for sale, you know, that kind of thing. Like, be a good buyer. And the other thing too, if you want to ride a fancy horse, um, but you may not have the budget, then just approach a trainer like myself and say, Hey, may I just take a lesson and pay you for your time? I'm actually open to things like that. I've actually had many people like come out, try my horses. And then I never get a call, a text, an email saying, thanks for your time. And I'm like, Seriously, all you have to say is no, you know, <laughs> yeah, that is like, so rude to the trainer, but also so the rude and also, yeah. the horse. you know, those horses, a lot of times they get tried a lot and that is really difficult on horses. So if you're going, if you're buying a horse and you can't afford it, it's like, it's like going to look at a car. I can't sit in a Ferrari because I can't afford mm-hmm. a Ferrari. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm going to sit mm-hmm. in and I'm probably going to like it. I'm going to be like, this is lovely. But I can't <laughs> afford that car, right? So they're not even going to let you in the door because, well, I can't go in there, right? So that's actually important to know and be respectful, not only of the trainer, but of respectful of the horse. And I get yes. really angry when people come and they just want to sit on a fancy horse or I won't, I will not let my clients do it. I, I want mm-hmm. in a lot of trainers no. well. Yeah. You know, I mean, you that, from, from the seller, from the seller side, uh, you know, when somebody contacts me about a horse that I may have for sale or I might be involved with, I say, you know, my first question is, do you have a trainer? Mm-hmm. Why don't you, mm-hmm. why don't you have your trainer, me- you know, message me or whatever. And so, you know, I prefer to deal with, you know, trainer to trainer or, you know, again, because I know a lot of people and said like your client, your client, uh, Susie just messaged me about trying, this horse, um, do you know that she's out there trying horses? You know, okay. Do you know that she's out here trying a hundred thousand dollar horse? You know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And that, again, that just eliminates all of, all of the problems that I've encountered is just dealing trainer to trainer from, from yes. the buyer side and from the seller side. It's, it's just, it's just the way I would prefer to do it. I, that That's just, um, that's just how I do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, as a buyer, if you are just upfront and you're approaching people, you say, I'm looking at multiple horses. Um, and then, you know, after the first trial, if you're interested, 
tell the seller. If you're not, tell the seller, you know, and if you can't do it face to face, drop an email, drop a text. It's really simple. I really appreciate that. I have sometimes I've had multiple people come and try courses and I, I don't like pitting people against each other, but I have noticed people seem to be more eager to buy the horse (laughs) when you tell other people are looking at it. And I personally prefer it to be a good match uh, and be a successful sale. And so just by, because when someone comes to try, I I give them like a day or two and like, okay, are you going to say yes or no? And then you don't hear from them. It's really aggravating because Because in the past, I've even had someone, you know, contact me a week later saying they're interested. And I was like, I waited, but I have someone else interested. I also email and call them and I don't get a response. And it's just, it really is frustrating. The other thing too, though, is if you really are interested, put a deposit down, which is typically 10% of the purchase price of the horse. So that way the seller knows that you are serious. However, when you're communicating about that, if the horse does not pass a pre-purchase, the money should be given back. However, if you're just holding the horse and then you decide that you're not interested, that money should be paid to the seller because they have held the horse for you when they could have sold the horse. I think that should be very clear so if you do try a horse and you haven't put a deposit down, that person should be able to sell the horse to someone else because you waited. Right now, yeah. In this market right now, the good horses are selling really fast. So yep. you really, I mean, it, it, they, they're sold within the first couple of weeks, typically. Or they're sold within, within barns or within connections, right? Like they're yes. not even getting advertised. Right. Right. Yep. So, you know, n- nor should the seller have to wait. And and that, that seller, I mean, we all have, you know, horses are like horses. We know horses, they can get hurt. They, they also yep. cost money every day to take care of them and all, mm-hmm. all the things that go along with that. And, and you have staff that you have to hire, you know, you, that, I mean, it goes on and on. Right. So it's, yep. it's one of those things where you really have to be just kind and ethical on both sides of the deal, remember that you're buying a horse. It's not a motorcycle. That horse yep. also is once you purchase it, and we this is maybe another discussion, Megan, for another time. But yeah. you know, when you purchase a horse, you know, that horse is everything in that horse's life is getting changed. And sometimes yep. horses need time to settle. You know, they're gonna travel far, their tummies may get upset. Like you have to be very empathetic from the horse leaving a usually a professional's barn going to another professional's barn or, or your private barn or whatever, you know, that, that that's also part of it too, is, is, you know, horses have to have time and, and, and be able to, to acclimate. So it, it's a complicated process. And I think just, you know, all what we're, we are saying in this discussion as well is be kind, be courteous to the other parties courteous to your own trainer who's taking their time uh, when you are contacted to, t- to help sell a horse it takes a lot of time and and it's oh, it you know you, yeah all of us i mean it takes time on either end and i think it's just really important to remember that and just some basic etiquette things that 
that we all need to go by. So Megan, we could keep you on the line for hours, but we we know you've got a lesson. So we want to thank you so much for your time. And how can our listeners find you online and find more about your program and your sales program? They can check out my website at lindenhoff.com and that's spelled L-I-N-D-I-N-H-O-F as in Frank. I'm also on Facebook um, as Megan McIsaac or Lindenhoff Equine Sports Centrum. You can contact me through text or calling me uh, 608-445-8531 or email and it's L-I-N-D-I-N. H-O-S-L-L-C at gmail.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Phil, I love our picture of my two boys and their trust design halters. We were able to unbox them in Florida together, which was super fun. And we did the photo shoot where, no offense, my boys were way easier to photograph than Phil. You can check out the picture (laughs) on our dressage radio show Facebook page. Uh, Yeah, my boys were great. Philip was not a great model, but we got him to smile eventually. (laughs) Well, it's not about me. It was it was about it was about displaying the the beautiful halters and the beautiful horses and (laughs) and and your smiling face. I mean, I'm just in the background here. So don't 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 worry about that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll wish you back. But these are great halters. We're all kidding aside. Um, my boys look so pretty in their halters, and it was so fun. They're really a fun addition to your equipment. And uh, we have a discount code, right, Phil? Yep, you can get 10% off any of your order through Trust Design. The coupon code for all of our listeners is HRN, and that'll give you 10% off. So go ahead, order some halters, get a 10% off of them, and uh, have a great summer. So that's Trust Design, T-R-V-S-T, design.com. Well, tonight for our Trust Equine Tip of the Week, we are so excited to have S-Judge and USDF Certified Instructor Gwen Ka Avaloa back on the show. Welcome, Gwen. Hey, good to hear you again. And we are happy to have you for our trainer tip of the week. And we had you put your certified instructor hat on, but you also have the judge's hat. So tell us, what is your tip? My big tip is that riders need to spend more time on their equitation and they need to work with trainers who care about that, mainly because riders, when they get into the ring, whether they're showing or they come for a lesson, it's not about riding the movements and the figures. If you're not in balance with the horse, none of that works. And so as trainers and as a rider, you need to think about the equitation piece, even going back to lunging, which a lot of adult amateurs don't spend a lot of time lunging anymore. I'm fortunate as a trainer that my students love lunging, and they often remind me that it's been a while. And I'm a fan of lunging. I'm a fan of getting out there and learning how the balance works when you do a circle, when you do a half pass. We all know that half passes are one of the hardest things to ride and counter canter. If you don't have good equitation, counter canter does not work. And it's usually because the rider can't sit because that's probably the most difficult movement if your equitation is not good. So my tip is spend time getting your seat better. Well, and I think this is this is something, I mean, we all as Grand Prix riders on, on the program tonight, you know, this is something I work at 
all day long. And, you know, we have different tools. We have Wendy Murdoch of the Murdoch method that comes on. We have given and, and try to give people a lot of ideas when it comes to working on your seat. And I think some of it is, I, you know, and, and I feel it as my body's gotten older, you know, I've had different equitation challenges and, and, you know, fitness, it all plays into part of having the correct equitation and you really have to work on it. And I, and I think you're right. I mean, I think it's something that if you don't focus on and your trainer doesn't focus on, and I've heard it, I think we probably all have heard it when someone says, Oh, no one's ever said that to me. I've never worked on that equitation. And I think too, even if you're in your arena by yourself, there's video systems now. Video yourself. Look at yourself. I mean, I think that there's, um, you know, I put up mirrors in my ring. I just save one winner to, to get those up there. But, you know, there's a reason that they're there. And so that, you know, you can look and you can see. So I think lunge lessons are incredibly important. And through the Certified Instructor Program, there we all learn how to lunge appropriately because lunging someone, there's a a technique that all instructors should know. Um, But it's an incredibly cool tool. And, um, you know, if you have a good friend, that's a good horseman as well, they can help you. So I think it's a, it's a great tool. Phil, what do you think? I think, you know, you should be reading books to that talk about equitation so that you understand before you ever even attempt your first leg yield half pass. you know, like you understand you know, where the weight should be and how to weight bear and which legs do what so that you're not lost when you try to do a counter canner. You know, you at least have a mental understanding. And then we all know that the the second piece of that is like the the physical feeling and understanding. But, you know, you don't want to you don't want to show up to a lesson um, without having, you know, at least done some homework to, you know, what's correct and what's appropriate. Otherwise, you know, you just uh, you, you spend your whole lesson talking about theory of, of counter canner and, and not actually doing it. So I think for me, that's that's a little bit of the homework piece that needs to be done. Uh, and I agree totally trying to get uh, students to read uh, some of the fun parts about Facebook are that uh, somebody will publish a, a short little synopsis from an old book or a newer book or just a little piece of the puzzle that has to do with equitation and quality of riding and figures. And I always share those uh, and try to tag my students, you know, look at this, you know, have you seen this recently? And uh, one of the things USDF did many years ago, and I keep it down and protected in my tack room in my barn is the USDF book that we had on dressage that had a ton of information. Uh, Some of it is, well, the tests are very old, but uh, that book was a great handbook that USDF put out many years ago. And I don't even know if it's still available, but books similar to that are good. And Gwen, they have a lot of resources on the website. So now they've moved a lot of it, a lot of those resources. I know the book you're talking about because I I have it too. And it was great. Now those, those are available to members on the website. And, and there's so much great information out there now on the internet that, that wasn't available or you had to have that book. And that was a good book. Um, but there, there are a lot of those pieces now that are out there and a lot of them are free of charge or USDF. If uh, with your membership, you have access to that information. You do have to look potentially, but uh, also, and Gwen, you, I know can talk about it, you know, 
auditing the learner judge program is a great way to get some of this information. I mean, it's out there if you need it, isn't it? It is. And, and auditing the L program, if it's offered in the area, I've had several students do that. It's an eye opener as an instructor for your students. Yeah. They come back from that and they look at you differently when you give a <laughs> lesson because all of a sudden they're like, oh my, I had no idea. I think I do that. You've talked to me. But when they see it in that presentation, their perspective changes. I've had two riders totally change the quality of their riding after doing that program. And one of them did go on to uh, finish the L program and she judges horse shows uh, and loves to do the schooling horse shows. I don't know that she'll move on, but that was another thing. Uh, the L program really gave her that insight. And with the certified instructors program, it just kind of, again, it kind of centralized everything and had everybody looking at things from a, from the same perspective. I was very lucky that I rode with Anders Lindgren multiple times in the eighties. Um, I was just, I had the opportunities to train under him very early on and what a wonderful man and a wonderful teacher. And I still to this day use a lot of the lessons he gave to me in my current lesson program. And he was a big one about equitation and lunging the rider. I love it. I love it. Well, Gwen, thank you so much for your tip. It's it's a great one for all of us to continue to think about and use. And how can our listeners find you online? They can look me up at my website at Kaimana Equestrian, K-A-I-M-A-N-A Equestrian. And they can pull my, my website. It's not always up to date, but it's got all the information to reach me. And, or you can email me at Kaimana underscore CO like Colorado at hotmail.com. And I'll be glad to answer questions or chat with them. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, everybody, don't forget, we have our book club still running. Uh, we hope you're enjoying this one. This is a technical one. It's going to take you a couple um, couple weeks to get through it. So we're going to let it keep going. Uh, we've been busy with lots of interviews. So um, it's Gerd Heuschman's Balancing Act. We hope you enjoy it. Keep uh, plugging away at it. And we will definitely go through with one of the auditors from the radio show. We love having them on. And as always, send us your email and Facebook shout outs. We love them. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is probably through Facebook, or you can email me at philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors tonight for allowing us to record a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products and Trust Design. If you'd like to support our show and the Horse Radio Network, you can do that through the auditor program found at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we'll talk to you next week. 